God, we thank you so much. What an awesome privilege it is to worship you today, to celebrate you today together. God, with different services united together, people that are usually serving. God, I thank you for those that are serving right now in our preschool ministry, God, that uh, are providing an incredible care um, and love and ministry to those that they're ministering to right now. God, be with us as we discuss your word and we walk through your word and we grow from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. You know the great thing about coming to church at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and only having to, to come to church for one service? You get to beat people to restaurants. If, if I get done in time, right? So it's kind of dependent upon me this morning whether or not you're going to make it. And, and somebody asked us, they said, did y'all plan today uh, because... You know, today, for some people, is a pretty big day. Some of you may be clueless to what today is, but today is the kickoff of the National Football League for many people. Um, And somebody asked, did we plan this so you guys could get home on time? Absolutely not, okay? Uh, If it works out for you, that's great. But some of you are going to go out to eat. Some of you are going to go, man, this is so awesome. We beat the crowd today. We beat the rush um, because we live in a culture that is obsessed with eating, We have television shows dedicated to eating to teach you how to eat, and then we have television shows dedicated to tell you how to lose the weight from the food that you ate, right? We have entire networks devoted to making sure that you know how to cook certain food, do certain things, have competitions about the food that you're going to have, and there's an old saying that that I grew up hearing. Some of you may have heard this saying, and it says, you are what you eat. Wow, a lot of you knew that. That's the most response I've heard from you guys all at once in in a in a sermon before, before, you are what you eat. So if you eat healthy, you have a better chance, not a perfect chance, but a better chance of healthier living. If you cut your calories, you have a better chance of, of losing some weight. If you drink lots of caffeine before bed, you may not sleep. But some of you here have an IV that goes into your arm at night and you just sleep with caffeine going into your coffee, just constantly going into you. If you drink, eat lots of junk food, you're going to have a short amount of energy. You might have it for a few minutes. If you drink to eat too much salt, you're going to have high blood pressure. And I could keep going on and on. You are what you eat. Spiritually, it is the same way. You are what you take in spiritually. If we spend time binging on Netflix or whatever our favorite show is, instead of spending time with the Lord, then we may not experience the spiritual growth that we desire. If my focus is on everything else in my life and and you depend on this 30 minutes or this hour, depending on how long the guy preaches today, for your, your kind of booster shot for the week of spirituality and this is it, you are what you eat. You are what you take in. If we're taking in his word, you are what you eat. You are what you take in. In the gospel of John, Jesus uh, is doing some incredible things. He is going around. He is healing people. He's teaching people. And in the sixth chapter of John, one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture, Jesus is teaching the people. And at one point in John chapter six, it's almost a mob scene. It literally says in John chapter 6 that the people were crowding in and wanted to take Jesus away by force and make him the king. 
So imagine this crowd. Imagine if all of you together decided, hey, we're going to pick up somebody and we're going to move them away. You would have some incredible force. And this crowd that had grown to listen to hear what Jesus was teaching, see the miracles taking place, they're pushing in. They're saying, this is the time. We're going to make Jesus king. And Jesus instead gives them something difficult to chew on. He gives them a message right in the middle of the crowd, right in the middle of this massive gathering where everything is moving the direction of what we would expect to be a movement. Jesus speaks some words to the people that at the end, a lot of people started leaving. Jesus wasn't out for the crowds and the miracles. He was out for those who desired obedience and desired to take in Jesus. When I want to ask you this morning, and all the things that are going on in your life, and all the things that are going on in this world, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus feeding on Jesus enough for you to grow, to be nurtured, to live in this world? Because this is what Jesus gets to. We have this mob scene that's taking place. And then Jesus starts to speak about the bread of life. Over and over and over in John chapter 6, Jesus speaks about the bread of life. I won't read all of the references in John chapter 6 to the bread of life. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Twice he refers to him himself and he says, the bread that came down out of heaven. And so he's referring to the Old Testament and he's referring to these things. And so he keeps saying, I am the bread of life. And then at one point he says, says in John chapter 6, verse 51, and he says, and the bread that I give you for life, for the world, is my flesh. Jesus wasn't a cannibal. But imagine if you've never heard someone make that statement, and he says, I am the bread, I am the bread, I am the bread, eat my flesh. For everybody that was there, the Jewish listeners, their ears would have been turned off. They would have been not slightly, but profoundly impacted and offended. Who does he think that he is? Who does this guy think that he is? He's proclaiming to be the bread of life. He's proclaiming that people can take eat of his flesh. Parents, you might have a little bit of explaining to do as the day goes on today. But hopefully I'll give you some ammunition for that. So at this moment, Jesus is making this really difficult teaching. He's saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. I'm all that you need. Eat my flesh. And then there's a moment there where I would imagine the disciples, again, like we saw last week, may have been standing over on the side going, this is not going to grow our numbers. This is not going to help our outdoor worship service, Right? I mean, we're trying to get the biggest crowd that we can. We want as many people as we can, Jesus, and everybody's here, everybody's listening. This is not how you build a momentum. So Jesus basically takes them and theologically pushes them off a cliff right here. Instead of teaching easier, Jesus gets more difficult. And here's what he says. He says, the Jews, John chapter 6, verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat. So Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now let me give you some clarity here this morning. Jesus is not advocating cannibalism. He's not speaking literally of tearing apart and eating of flesh and drinking of blood. But what Jesus is doing in this passage and other passages that we'll read on this morning, he is saying, believe in Jesus as your most essential thing for eternal life. He says, I am the bread of life. Break me. Take part of me. Now, if you make bread today, here's how you make bread today. You drive to the grocery store and you pick it up. Right? That's how you make bread. When I was in college, though, I, I don't know how I got into this, but my, my mom gave me one of those starters. Some of you know what I'm talking about. All right? Um, so here I am as this guy in college, and I had an apartment, and I started making bread. I don't, I don't know. It was weird, okay? Uh, I, I might as well started knitting as well, all right? So I'm, I'm making bread, and I'd have people come over. It was a, a great way to meet young ladies. But anyway, and, and so I was making this bread, and we had this starter, and it would have yeast, and it would grow, and then the, the bread would rise, and you'd make that. And you think, well, that's making bread. That's not in an agricultural society. You're still a few steps too far in making bread. Here's how you make bread. In Jesus' day, the field would be planted. Wheat and other grains would be planted. And then upon harvest, they would take and they would put the stalks of the wheat, they would wrap them together after cutting them down, and they would allow them some time to die. And then they would take the fruit off of the wheat, the grain. And they would take the grain and they would place it. When we were in Guinea-Bissau one time, we, did this, we, we watched this take place with rice. You've got to get the outside hole off of the grain, off of the wheat. And so they would take it and they would break it. And then they would take that broken wheat fruit and they would crush it, that grain, and they would mash it until they could put it into flour. And then they could make bread. You've got to take the stalks, you've got to allow it to die, you've got to crush it, and you've got to place it in order for that to become bread. Are you catching Jesus now? He says, I'm the bread of life. Jesus would come and came and he was living among them. And there would be a time where he would be gathered up, where you could say it would be the time for harvest, where he would be crucified, where he would be broken, where he would be crushed, where he would be placed in a tomb. And three days later, he would become life. And Jesus is saying to these folks ahead of time, he says, listen, you don't completely grasp this and this may blow you away and this may offend some of you, but there's gonna be a moment where you're gonna grasp, I am the bread of life and I'm gonna be crushed, I'm gonna be broken, but in order for you to have eternal life, I've got to die. This is a hard teaching. The people replied. You better believe this is hard teaching. 
Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is speaking eternal hope into spiritually hungry people. But all they wanted, we'll see in just a moment. You know what they wanted? They wanted another miracle. They didn't want the hard teaching. They wanted the crowd. They wanted the gathering. But Jesus is speaking of eternal hope into hungry people. A few things I want us to glean from this today. If we want to become what we eat, if you are what you eat, then we need to feed on the eternal life offered by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Feeding on his miracles will not be enough. Feeding on the crowd-sized moments, like a today kind of moment, will not be enough. Feeding on the life and the death and the resurrection and the teachings of Jesus would be what they would need as this movement continues. Jesus is preparing them. He's laying the groundwork for them. And he's not teaching them easy things in these moments. He's laying a foundation of teaching to say, you guys are what you eat. Whatever you're taking in spiritually is what you become. Church, we don't want a crowd, church. We want a church feeding on the teachings of Jesus, church. We, we don't want a crowd, church. We don't want a church that only gathers together and goes, oh man, there's some miracles happening. That's awesome. No, we want people who are willing as individuals to say, we will trust in Jesus in the hard times. And I think of this thinking of people all across our country right now. We were praying and praying for pastors and leaders as they will be answering some difficult questions. We must also continue. If we want to become what we eat, if we want to realize that Jesus is enough, we must continue to feed our relationship with Jesus Christ. This teaching calls great despair in John chapter 6, as you can imagine. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, what's taking place. They wanted a political Messiah, and Jesus is saying, no, that's not what I'm here for. He moves to the other side of the lake is where he's given this teaching. they got to follow him to the other side. And then verse 66 says this. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. We're done. We don't quite grasp it. We were just here for the miracle. Realize that this takes place right after the feeding of the 5,000. Surely Jesus was going to top that, right? I mean, feeding 5,000 people, the next thing, what's he going to do next? He starts to sift through the crowd. He starts to teach in a way that begins to thin out the crowd. And he says, Scripture says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for us to to feed upon, to pour that into our lives, to to worship him and him alone, whether it's outside with a thousand people or whether it's in a closet all alone? Is Jesus enough? He's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. He's the bread of life, broken, crushed for your sins. Verse 67, so Jesus went to the 12. Now it's 
getting even more intense, if it could possibly be more intense. So Jesus, the crowd starts to leave, and they go get in their cars, and they're driving home. They're going to go watch their favorite team, right? They're going to go home, and Jesus says, hey, hey, guys, the, the 12, the ones I've been living with, walking with, teaching, come here, guys, let me ask you a question. Do you want to go away as well? This is your chance. You want to leave? Do you want to go away as well? Talk about a game-changing question. Hard-hitting, right in your face. He's got these guys gathered up in a circle, and he just looks at them. You want to leave? It's your chance. Will we follow in the middle of difficult times? Or are we just along for the ride to see as long as this faith benefits me and things go well and prosperous, then I'll follow Jesus. As long as the crowd stays big, then I'll follow Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus is sifting it out and he's saying, all right, guys, you're my closest 12. You wanna leave? This is where if Jesus would hear, some of us would look at him and say, I'm out. Like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about here, Jesus. I, I'm not even sure what the bread of life here is, Jesus. And, and the Jewish scholars are saying, you're crazy. And the crowd's leaving and people are, are starting to say different things. You're not the political Messiah we thought you were going to be. Right here is where some of us, we face difficulties in our Christian faith. We come to Jesus and we give him our hearts. We give him our lives. We submit to him. And then things don't go exactly as we thought they would go. And we say, I'm out. I can't stick with this anymore. Some of you, that's your thoughts even to church. You said, man, I've, I've tried church. I'm coming because we're outside and it's sunny and, you know, I can get in and out. And you said, I'm out. Nine times in these verses, nine times, we hear this conversation keep coming back to one central idea. Yes, it's about the bread of life, but he keeps coming back to this idea of, do you believe in me? Will you believe in me? Will you trust in me? Will you put your faith in me? And he continues to ask and prod and push, do you believe? Eight times in these verses, not nine, sorry, eight times he says, do you believe? Will you believe? Will you believe when it's hard? And my guess is after Jesus asked those 12, the apostles did one of those moments. Some of you, again, your school teachers, you've asked a question and you realize nobody in the room's done their homework. And what does everybody do? You want to leave as well? I'm not looking at him. Peter, you say something. You're always the one who says something. And so he does. Simon Peter answered to me with one of the most profound and beautiful responses in Scripture. He says, Lord, in verse 68, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go now? We've been following you. We've been believing in you. Where are we going to go? Church, where are we going to go if we turn from and we say, well, Jesus is enough plus. Well, trusting in Jesus is great, but I've got to have these things in life plus. 
And Jesus is saying, no, I'm the bread of life. I'm what you need for your spiritual nourishment. I'm what you need for eternal life. Believe in me. Don't believe in a politician. Where else are you going to go? To a politician? Absolutely not. Where else are you going to go? To your favorite sports team? Are they going to give you eternal life? Absolutely not. Where else are you going to go? To a spouse, although they're human and they're fantastic and they're wonderful? There's going to be moments of brokenness. Where else are we going to go, says Peter? I've been walking with this guy. I was a fisherman. I've seen too much. Where else can we go? If you're wrestling with your faith this morning and believing in him, I want you to seriously ask yourself this question. If not Jesus, where else are you going to go? Who else are you going to turn to for eternal life? Because that's where Peter goes next. He doesn't stay there. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You and you alone have the words of eternal life. Those other teachers, they don't have them. Those other miracle workers that have shown up in the past, they don't have them. The Pharisees, they don't have them. You have the words of eternal life. You are the bread of life. You are the one. And he continues and he said, and we have believed. And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now Peter has some other moments later on that are not his highlights. But this is one of those moments where you go, okay, this is why this guy became the early voice of the church in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. He begins to preach because of this moment. He says, and we have believed. And we have come to know that what? You are the Holy One of God. Here's what Jesus is doing. Are you prepared to believe in me when I'm not here? Jesus was preparing them for moments when he would not be in their midst when there wouldn't be the miracles on the hillside of feeding thousands of people, when Jesus wasn't there to sit with them in their gathering and correct them and help them, he's saying, are you going to be prepared for those moments? He says, we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We believed in you. We followed you in the middle of the miracles. We believed in you and we're going to believe in you more and more and more. And we have been feeding on your teachings, Jesus. You're the bread of life, eternal life. And just like bread that's going to be formed and shaped and crushed and broken and become something that can give life, so will Jesus. Where else are you going to go? Is Jesus enough for you? Do we just want crowd moments? This is awesome. Do we just want moments where there's a great little feel that runs up our spine and we go, man, that was a good Jesus moment and they're there. Or do we want moments where we're fed by Jesus when he is broken and poured out for you? You are what eat spiritually you become what you take in spiritually as in Jesus is he enough in just a few moments we're going to take the Lord's Supper 
The Lord's Supper is a gathering that took place later on with Jesus and his 12. He gathered with them, began to speak with them, began once again to speak of his death that had not yet happened. And he talked about his brokenness. He talked once again about his blood. And today as we come to that, I want to ask you, as our invitation, as our gathering, as our being together this morning, before you take that meal, before you open that little kit there and take out the piece of bread and then open it again and take the, the juice this morning, I want you to ask, is Jesus enough? I want you to ask, is Jesus enough for you? And for those of you that are here this morning that have never trusted in Jesus Christ, before we continue, before we, we're not going to sing yet, we're not going to move yet, but I want to pray with you and for you this morning.